Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Ordinary People and Extraordinary Lives. My name is Lance Bain, and it's so great to have you with me again this week. If you are a new listener, welcome. Welcome to our little podcast designed to help us experience the grace of God while living, leading, and overcoming those everyday challenges that we face in life. And if you are a long-time listener, thank you so much. I'm just always glad to have you back with me. I never want to take that for granted. Don't forget to check out LanceBain.com for more resources, a way that you can connect with me, and I would love to hear from you. Hey, today we're continuing our podcast from last week, a two-part podcast on Leaders Who Restore leaders who restore. And last week, we talked about and began to identify the qualities that are necessary for a leader who's going to be in the restoring business. And I think this is such a critical and such an important message in this time. There's a lot of, uh, I don't know what your leadership world is like and what you pay attention to. I know in my world, there's a lot of toxicity, there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of uh, anger, violence, and and name-calling, and (laughs) judgment and accusation going on, and we really need good, healthy leaders in this time. So today, we're going to pick up part two of Leaders Who Restore and check out the rest of those qualities. You know, if uh, you and I know this, right, as leaders, that if you choose to lead, parent, manage, (laughs) if you're one who is given a position where you have the opportunity and the responsibility to influence others, then there will be times that you will be called upon to help others be relationally, emotionally, organizationally, financially restored, that something has broken, something has broken down that there's been a, through whatever reason, a lack of something in a relationship or in a responsibility, a job task, a, uh, some kind of friendship or co-working relationship, that decay has set in and restoration needs to happen. And effective and healthy restoration, that process, effective and healthy leaders who know how to restore, know that restoration requires love. It requires accountability, clarity, trust, wisdom, and patience, just to name a few. So last week, we introduced this idea of leaders who restore. And as a person of faith, I often turn to the teachings that are within the Bible to help me know how to give life away as a leader. And in this area of restoration, I was particularly drawn to the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 1. And I would like to read that to you as a foundation for our thoughts today. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation of the Bible. Galatians 6.1 says, My beloved friends, if you see a believer or a person who is overtaken with a fault, may the one who overflows with the Spirit or overflows with responsibility seek to restore that person. Win them over with gentle words which will open their heart to you and it will also keep you from exalting yourself over that person. I want to read it to you again because there's a tremendous amount of fruit and usefulness in this passage. My beloved friends, if you see a person who's overtaken with a fault, 
then may the one who overflows with responsibility, the leader, seek to restore that person. Win them over with gentle words because it's going to open their heart to you. You're going to be able to influence. You're going to be able to love. You're going to be able to lead them into the place of restoration. And it will also keep you, the leader, from exalting yourself over them. The message translation of this same verse, Galatians 6.1, uses these kinds of phrases. Forgivingly restore them. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. If you think that you are too good for that, then you are badly deceived. You are badly deceived. So, you know, friends, the, the leader here in this, in this passage is the one who, one, they recognize that their friend, that their coworker, that their family member, that another believer has been overtaken with a fault. They're at the mercy of whatever it is that's overtaken them. And rather than leave them in that spot, we are called to restore. We have a responsibility to restore them. And part of that is using gentle words, which opens the heart. And we identified seven qualities so we can forgivingly restore, stooping down and reaching out to those who are oppressed. And if you think we're too good for that, we're badly deceived. We want to avoid the bad deception. We're not too good for this. We will stoop down. We will reach out to those who are oppressed. And we will forgivingly restore them because that's our assignment as a leader. And we identified the seven qualities of that. A leader's readiness, a leader's presence a leader's attitude, a leader's perspective, a leader's partnership, a leader's generosity, and a leader's love. Now, these seven qualities are adapted from a story of restoration that Jesus performed in John chapter 21. Galatians 6 says restore. How do we do it? Well, let's go to John 21, and we can learn about these seven qualities. Okay, so last week we talked about the first three qualities. A leader's readiness, a leader's presence, and a leader's attitude. And again, these are taken from the story in John chapter 21. Today we're going to cover the leader's perspective, the leader's partnership, the leader's generosity, and the leader's love. Now let me remind you of the story in John chapter 21. What's happening here in John chapter 21 is that this is the third time Jesus is going to be revealing himself to his disciples. He appeared once after his resurrection. Uh, he walked through a wall and appeared to those who were afraid, and he said, peace be to them. Thomas wasn't there, who was one of the disciples. And the second time Jesus appeared was for Thomas, because Thomas said, you know what, I'm not going to believe that he's alive unless I can actually touch him. And so Jesus shows up a second time, and he makes himself known to Thomas. He says, Thomas, touch me. Touch my hands. Touch my side. It's me, Thomas, in the flesh and blood. It's me, Jesus. Now, this is the third time that Jesus is now appearing to the disciples post his resurrection. And it says in John 21:1 that afterwards Jesus appeared again. This is third time to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. So John now is getting ready to tell us, how Jesus appeared the third time. And I'm just going to give you the rundown. I'm not going to roll through all the verses. But basically, Peter decided to go fishing again, which is what he was doing when Jesus first met Peter in Matthew chapter 4. Peter is a fisherman. He owned a fishing business. He was a fisherman. And Jesus said, hey, 
Peter, I, I'm going to make you a, no longer a fisherman. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So this is what Peter should be doing. He should be involved in leadership and pursuing men and restoring men and people and women into their God-given purpose and God-given identity and dignity and value and worth. But instead, instead Peter is is fishing like he used to. And so and we noticed that Peter's out fishing and Early in the morning, Jesus was on the shore, and the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus, but he called out to them, hey, catch anything? Got any fish? What's going on? Friends, haven't you any fish? And they answered no, and so Jesus says, hey, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net. It was just so full of fish. And the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, the author of this, this letter, he says to Pete, hey, Pete, it's the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard him say that, it's the Lord, and Peter grabbed his clothing, his outer garment, put it back around himself because he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore. Jesus, then they land, and Jesus already got a fire burning. He's already got a campfire burning on the shoreline, and he's already got some fish, and he's already got some bread cooking. And Jesus says to them, hey, bring some of the fish that you caught. So Peter get, climbs into the boat, grabs some fish, brings it over, and Jesus says, Come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples were going to ask, who is this? Because they knew it was Jesus. And so Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. And now this was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. You get to verse 15. And when they had finished eating, Jesus looked at Simon Peter and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then they have that exact conversation two more times. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. And the reason I think Jesus asked this question three times is because Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter failed and needed restoration. And it's in this whole hospitable context here that we find Jesus setting the table not only to invite these men to a meal, but he's actually setting the table for Peter's restoration. Hospitality is a key to restoration. So let's talk about the leader's perspective here. The leader's perspective, the leader's partnership, the leader's generosity, and the leader's love. In verse 6, we find the leader's perspective. Verse 6 is when Jesus says, Hey, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some fish. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Jesus had just asked them, Friends, haven't you any fish? And they said, No. And then Jesus says, Well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. See, a leader has a unique ability to see what those who need restoration can't always see. Leaders have an ability to see perspective. You often see that perspective through, through, their, through their job. Uh, like an annual review would be a great way to, to help a leader have a perspective. You see what others can't see. And not only can you see what others can't see because of your leadership position and what you're looking at and the way that you're relating to them, oftentimes leaders can see what others can't see because they're blinded by their own shame. They're blinded by their own guilt. They're blinded by the, the light of accusation. They're blinded by the light of condemnation. And so people simply can't see. But a leader can see. 
a leader knows something. It's not just that you can see what they can't see because maybe you choose to obtain a perspective of objectivity or love. You don't coordinate with accusation or judgment or shame or blame, but you maintain a loving posture and it helps you see, which is so true and so helpful. But there's also a supernatural ability to see. That, that God might open your eyes as a leader to see supernaturally what someone can't see, the gold that is buried underneath their failure. And notice, Jesus not only apparently knows something or sees something that these apostles and disciples can't see, but he communicates that perspective. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. He said, throw your net. I love that leaders not only have perspectives, but leaders have to communicate that perspective. And so as a leader, I encourage you to take some time and think about the perspective you have and what is the right language, what is the right tone, what is the right vocabulary, when is the right moment, how are you going to put this together. Don't fly by the seat of your pants when you're trying to restore somebody. Take some time, be intentional, be purposeful here because a leader's perspective is worth its weight in gold, particularly when you're dealing with someone who needs restoration. There's a natural pain and defensiveness to that posture, and a leader's perspective can be so powerful. It can help people experience a prosperity and an abundance that they're not normally experiencing. Fifthly, the fifth quality of leaders who restore, it's a leader's partnership. If you notice in verse 10 of this, it says that Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Now, they figured out it was the Lord. Peter put his clothes back on, and they came over to the seashore. And Jesus said, hey, bring me some of the fish. Now, what we see in verse 9, just before that, is Jesus already had a fire burning. He already had fish on it, and he was already baking some bread. And so Jesus is looking for their partnership. See, the leader already has some resources in place, but he's looking for their partnership. He's looking for their contribution. He's wondering, how much will you contribute to this hospital and hospitable environment, which is designed for a reconnection of love and a restoration process? And so you want the leader's partnership. Leadership affords an opportunity to partner with your resources. It's helping others see what they have and how it adds value to the collective whole. Again, when someone's in restoration, they begin to lose sight of their own value, of how what they carry can actually make a difference because we're often struggling under our own embarrassment, under our own brokenness, under our own division. But now, friends, a leader's partnership says, I've got resources and you've got resources. I'll contribute my resources if you contribute your resources. And together, we will find a beautiful opportunity to partner in restoration And I'll help you as the one being restored. Remember that you have something of value to add to this moment and into this relationship. Okay, quality number six is the leader's generosity. The leader's generosity. And we've talked a little bit about this in partnership and the fact that Jesus already has resources. If you notice in verse 12 and 13, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dare ask who it was. They knew it was the Lord. And in verse 13, Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish. This has got to trigger for them that time just a year or two before when Jesus fed the 5,000 men with fish and bread. 
And then he fed a different time 4,000 men, not counting women and children, with just fish and bread. And while Jesus this time is not multiplying his fish and bread for the masses, he is, as a hospitable leader, providing fish and bread again to say, Peter, the miracle that you experienced at the fish and the loaves to the 5,000 and to the 4,000 is just as powerful when it's directed at the one. When it's directed at the one. Friend, you're a leader. You have influence. I believe in you. I believe in your leadership ability. I believe in your capacity to love in such a way that it positively changes the life of another and adds value. And it's not just about how our love and our leadership and our generosity can affect the masses. It's equally about how much our love and our generosity can influence the one. The one right in front of you, the one that you're talking to today, is the most important person in the world in that moment. They're the one whose attention you have, and they have your attention, and you're sharing and you're connecting heart to heart. And a leader needs to be generous because a leader multiplies for others. Notice Jesus said here to all of them, come and have breakfast, come and have breakfast. All of you come and have breakfast. I mean, I'm interested in Peter and his restoration, but that doesn't mean I don't see the rest of you. Multiplies, a leader multiplies resources for other people. That's what it's all about, isn't it, friends? Leaders lead for others. We want to add value to others. And a leader's generosity is rooted in the historical narrative. I have to believe that when Jesus tells them to come have the fish and come have the bread, they're going to remember those other moments when Jesus was so kind and so powerful and so compassionate. And if that Jesus is kind and powerful and compassionate, then why won't he be kind and compassionate and powerful right now? Man, I love this lesson. I hope you're really getting something out of this. I'm getting something out of it talking to, talking to you about it. A leader's generosity is rooted in the good historical narrative of good leadership. If in the past you were a bad leader, then clean up those messes. Seek to rebuild trust and restoration because a leader needs to be generous because our generosity, it's for restoration. In this context, it's for restoration. Remember what Galatians 6.1 says, my beloved friends, if you see a person who is overtaken with a fault, Peter's denying of Jesus three times, then may the one who overflows with the spirit and responsibility seek to restore him. Jesus is forgivingly restoring him. Jesus is stooping down and reaching out to those who are oppressed. And Jesus is not too good for that. He's using his generosity for restoration. Quality number seven, the leader's love. And this is where it all kind of climaxes for us. A leader's readiness, a leader's presence, a leader's attitude and perspective a leader's partnership, and a leader's generosity ultimately brings us to the place of the leader's love. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? It's a restorative question. And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. If you were to look at the Original language of this text, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you unconditionally love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know, I phileo you, where we get our word Philadelphia. I brotherly love you. 
A second time, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me, unconditionally love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I phileo you, I brotherly love you. And then Jesus the third time says, Peter, do you phileo me? Jesus meets him at his place. The leader's love, because this is the goal. This love that Jesus is exhibiting here is a love that confronts Peter. It's also a love that restores Peter. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It requires us to get in each other's face a little bit with love and challenge and correction and call people higher. The wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy. And while sometimes we're with our friends and what they say might be hurtful, it's never to hurt us. It's to help us heal. It's to help us be restored. And love fulfills Peter's purpose. Remember in Matthew 4, what was Peter called to be? He was called to be a fisher of men, and instead he's too busy fishing, but he's not fishing for men. And in John 21, we see Jesus fulfill the Galatians 6-1 mandate. He lovingly restores Peter, and this is the goal. From here, Peter becomes a leader in the early church, and he does phenomenal things, and he advances the gospel, and he lives an incredible life. still has some mess-ups after this moment, but Peter lived a noble and honorable life worthy of being called a leader. And ultimately, Peter dies being crucified upside down because he didn't believe that he was worthy of being crucified like Jesus. I would say Jesus' restoration was deep, it was long-lasting, and it was powerful. Friends, you and I can be that kind of leader. We need to learn how to do it. And I just want to point your attention to the leader's readiness, the leader's presence, the leader's attitude, and the leader's perspective, the leader's partnership, the leader's generosity, and the leader's love. You can be a leader who restores. So let's go do it. Let's see those who have been overtaken and let's go help them restore. So I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, I really got a lot out of today. I hope you got something out of today's podcast. I love you. I believe in you. Don't forget to check out LanceBain.com. You can get a copy of today's handwritten show notes for episode 110 of Ordinary People, Extraordinary Lives, our little podcast designed to help us experience the grace of Jesus while living, leading, and overcoming those everyday challenges that we face in life. Hey, everybody, I can't wait to talk to you again next week on episode 111. Have a great week, everybody. Mm